Let us pray. Lord, as your Spirit sent John into the River Jordan and Jesus to meet him there, I pray you would send it here and that you would do in us and with us and through us what it is your purpose to do here today. Amen. Well, there's old John out in the wilderness. Wild, unkept hair, unkept beard, uncut, uncombed, wearing camel's hair, eating insects. Strange lifestyle. John's different. But there's another difference about him other than his life, his diet, his dress. John has come preaching with power. And people can sense it. You can tell, can't you? You can tell when somebody is empowered by God. You can tell, you can sense it, you know when someone is doing God's work. When they're working for God and God is working with them. And with John, the people sensed this. They felt it. And their hopes arose. Could it be? Could it be? Could this be the one that God has promised? Is it possible? He's the Messiah. No, John says, it's not me. I'm just a forerunner. I'm I'm a preparer. I'm the one fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah to prepare the way, to make straight in the desert a highway for our God. But one is coming. One is coming who is going to be so great, so grand, so glorious. I'm not even worthy to be his servant. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with God's own spirit And with fire. I want you to notice, as you study the gospel here, Luke's gospel, there are significant differences between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism. Two significant differences. The first... John's baptism is in order to. John's baptism 
is repentance, straightening up, doing better, turning away from sin in order to be prepared for what God is going to do. John's baptism is in order to. Jesus' baptism is in response to. Jesus' baptism is because of. Jesus' baptism is about what God has already done. And our response to what God has done in our lives. Most of my relatives are in other Protestant denominations and they respect our denomination and they respect our work. They, they kind of get it. But one thing we do that they just cannot understand, they can't comprehend, they can't get their minds around. Why we baptize babies? Why we baptize someone who doesn't even know what's going on? My my relatives just don't get that. And I try to convey to them that infant baptism is not primarily about the one getting wet. It is primarily about God. And what God has done in that family's life. And what God is doing with that baby. It is a response to something that has already happened. The technical Methodist term for this in Methodist theology is prevenient grace. And the key part of that term is the pre part. Pre goes before. Precedes, pre-exist, predates. Pre goes before. Let me give you one example from my own life. I was blessed in my family to have two godly grandmothers. Just wonderful women devoted to God. Now they were very different. They were very different personalities, very different people, and they practiced their faith differently. One of my grandmothers was very formal in her faith practices. Very traditional. Enjoyed the liturgy of the church. Enjoyed the great hymns of the church. Enjoyed the formal worship services. 
She was Methodist born and Methodist bred, and when she died, she was a Methodist dead. She would have loved this service here today. Granny would have loved it. My other grandmother, very different in her practice of the faith. She was in a Pentecostal church. Pentecostals, like my grandmother, take literally, believe literally the words of the psalmist. That God comes and inhabits the praise of his people. And that grandmother loved to get her praise on. She would lift her hands in worship. She would shout amen and other words of encouragement. And if the service got too quiet, she'd start preaching right along with the preacher. Very different. But both of those godly women, when I was still in my mother's womb, months before I was born, started praying for God to be able to use me in some way. I never had a chance to do anything else but this. That's provenient grace. There's another significant difference between the baptism of John and the baptism of Jesus. For John, baptism was symbolic. The water was a symbol. The water was a symbol of cleansing. Water cleans. It's a symbol of cleaning up our lives in order to prepare. Water purifies. Straighten up. Do better. In order to receive God's blessings. Water in scripture can also be destructive. Genesis story, Noah and the flood, the earth was destroyed by water. Water as a symbol of destroying an old way of life and a brand new beginning. Water is a symbol of deliverance. The Exodus story, where the slaves were delivered from slavery through the waters of the Red Sea. Water is a symbol of God delivering us. For John, John's baptism, John's baptism was symbolic. With Jesus, the baptism of Jesus is real, actual, Effectual. When Jesus gets a hold of you, it makes a difference in your life. The power of God through the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, actually 
changes you. Spirit in Scripture can also be translated wind. Wind has power, doesn't it? Wind turbine can power a community. Turbines can power an entire city. Fire. Fire provides power. One day the eyelets on our stovetop went out, burned up, wouldn't heat. I'm not an appliance repairman, but I can take an old eyelet off and put a new eyelet on stovetop. So I made sure the stovetop was turned off and got the old eyelet off and got the new eyelet, went to put it on, grabbed both of those wires. I felt the power of electricity. When God gets a hold of us, when Jesus gets a hold of us, we are empowered. Here's the question of the day. Kathy's raised it. We've heard it in the children's sermon. John's baptism is about repentance, change, turning away from sin. He preached a baptism for the repentance of sin. Jesus lived a sinless life. Why is Jesus coming to be baptized? It's puzzling. Jesus comes to be baptized because Jesus is identifying with us. I got my gospel parallels, a comparison of the gospels out in preparing for this sermon. Luke is the only gospel that reveals this. Luke chapter 3.21 says, When all the people had been baptized, Jesus also, Jesus is identifying with all the sinners. Jesus is identifying with everybody. Luke is trying to tell us about the universal nature of God's salvation. One of my favorite preachers of all times, Dr. Fred Craddock. Dr. Craddock taught New Testament at Candler School of Theology. A great teacher and preacher and storyteller. And Dr. Craddock told this story. He said he had planned one weekend, got a babysitter, and planned a wonderful 
romantic weekend up to the city of Chattanooga. Just he and his wife alone. We're going to have this romantic, wonderful time together. They get to this particular restaurant early. Candlelight dinner. Nobody else in the restaurant. Just the two of them. And one elderly gentleman sipping his soup. And the gentleman sees them and comes over to their table and plops down and says, Do you mind if I join you for supper? What are you going to do? Sure, come on. They get around to the point where he asks Fred, Sir, what do you do for a living? Well, I teach down at Emory. Well, what is it you teach? Well, I... I teach New Testament. You're a preacher, aren't you? Well, let me tell you a preacher story. Now, just like attorneys do not enjoy lawyer jokes, and doctors do not enjoy doctor jokes, the last thing a preacher wants to hear is another dumb preacher joke. But here the man goes with his preacher story. He says, you see that town down there? Yeah. I was born down there in that town, Chattanooga. He said, my father didn't marry my mother. And when I went to town, the men would have great sport about that. And they'd say, I wonder if that kid's Freddie's son. I I wonder if that's Jimmy's boy. I, I wonder if that's Bobby's kid. He said, so I, I didn't go to town much. I didn't want to be ridiculed. But occasionally I'd go to this little Methodist church on the edge of town and I'd go into the service late and wouldn't have to speak to anybody and I'd try and run out early. He said, but one Sunday morning, preacher in that church fooled me and he called on somebody else to give the benediction. And before I could get out of the church building, I felt his hand on my shoulders, his fingers digging into me. And he spun me around and he looked me in the eye. And he said to me, son, you are a child of God. Go and claim your inheritance. Fred said on the way home back to the motel, He remembered his father telling him about an illegitimate child from Chattanooga that the people of Tennessee twice elected to be their governor. When we are baptized, We claim 
with Jesus that we are God's children, God's beloved children. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're now going to have this service of reaffirmation. I invite you to turn to that section in the order of worship.